Welcome to the Phil Nason Show, brought to you by PlayUp Sportsbook. PlayUp welcomes all bettors and offers the best prices on the market. They are also proud to be an official betting partner of the New Jersey Devils. Check them out online or in the App Store and see for yourself why PlayUp is your best bet. You're listening to a pre-recorded edition of the Phil Nason Show. The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play, and please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. I'm excited to have you here. We'll be here for as long as it takes. We'll talk some NBA basketball, little Calvin Ridley, whole bunch of things we're going to get into today. Play Up Sportsbook presents the Phil Nason Show. Head on over, sign up for an account, and find out why Play Up is always your best bet. Trevor's here. It's Tuesday. It's NBA Day. What's happening, dude? You know, not too much. I uh, had a good day in the NBA yesterday for the most part and ready to do some NBA, but maybe talk a little bit uh, a little bit of Calvin Ridley first, huh? I think so. You know, I went 0-1 yesterday after a really good day on Sunday. That was a nice day. You had I a had. great day on Sunday. I mean, I missed I missed a 10-leg parlay by a goaltender. The Minnesota Wild, they pulled their goaltender with eight minutes to go. And only two goals were scored, and I had the under. Otherwise, I knocked a 10-teamer out for big Wow, that's huge. That's huge. But it is what it is. I will take all those wins after this mediocre, some would say awful, and I would agree, (laughs) winter season. Yeah. Calvin Ridley, dude. Yeah, give it to me, man. I'm I'm really interested to hear your take. You you and I have talked about the fact that you've just been been around sports – well, we've both been around sports a lot of our life, but around the gambling side of it and the professional side of it, I guess. You've been around it a lot longer, so I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on all of it. Well, the first thing is is everyone, from the time they're able to compete, or I should say when they're at a point where it appears that these young people will go on to make a living playing professional sports, the very first thing that you tell them, the very first thing that I was told, do not wager on sports. Now, tennis is a little different because guys have. You know, if you remember 1939, Bobby Riggs bet on himself to win the singles, doubles, and mixed doubles at Wimbledon. Now, they have kiosks, gambling kiosks at those facilities. They still do. It's part of the culture of the tennis and back then, he was allowed to wager on himself, and he won all three, which means for nice. an amateur, because oh yeah, he knew he could win. But more importantly, he needed to feed his family. That's an expensive trip back then to go to London to play in an event. But that being said, is we always tell our people in tennis, and at least I do anyway, and I was told from the time I guess I was 13 or 14 that stay away from the gambling because it's going to get you in trouble. And uh, you know what? This situation with Calvin Ridley, first of all, he wasn't with the team. He would still probably be in contact with players. He would still have inside information. That being said, 
he's not allowed to gamble and he knows that. He's not allowed to wager on NFL games. I would counter that they shouldn't be allowed to wager on any sporting event, period, because it's too easy to get caught up. It's too easy to go into debt when you're gambling. And a great way to get out of debt would be to fix a match. And I'm not saying that Calvin Ridley would do that. I don't think that he would. In fact, I don't know many people who would even entertain that thought. I know tennis in our world, we suspend them for 5, 6, 8, 10 years, some lifetime for fixing matches. That's the farthest part of it. That's the extreme end of all this. But why involve yourself with it in the first place? And he's playing three, five, and eight leg parlays. I didn't understand that. But you're not supposed to bet on yourself or your team or any team in the league that you play in. That's pretty obvious. Even casino employees are not allowed to wager on certain things because they know things. They just do. And they're not technically allowed to do that. Some still do. And they take the risk because the risk is sometimes bigger than the reward or less than the reward. You can make a lot of money throwing matches or having inside information that no one else has because that's what we deal with, right? Information. So yeah. I think, I think personally, if you want to stop these kind of things, Calvin Ridley would have been the guy you give a lifetime ban to. That's my opinion. All right. So I, I have some questions for you about this because I am definitely not – in the same place as you, at least right now, in terms of the severity of the penalty. I do agree that he should know that you can't bet on sports and that I understand why it's problematic. I guess one of my questions is, uh, so you talked about in tennis, someone being able to bet on themselves. Mm -hmm. The the problem that I could see with, because honestly, when I first heard this news, I'll just give you my initial reaction. Uh, Yeah, please do. was, Was, I thought, man, this is insane that he's being banned for a whole year for betting $1,500 on him himself. I understand it's not allowed, and but all this stuff about the integrity of the game, and I've seen numerous people tweeting things about how teams tank and are given instructions to tank, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a variety of other things that are, I think, affecting the integrity of the game more than a guy betting on it. Now, what, what I came around to was it would be possible, like you said, because of the relationships that people have of – I go bet on my team to win, but I talk to my buddies on another team about, uh, you know, letting me win. Or I bet my receiving yards over, and I talk to my buddy who's a defensive back, and I say, hey, just let me get these catches, and then I'll cut you in on on the profits from it or something. Are there other – because certainly if match fixing is happening, we can agree that is massively problematic. But are there other reasons – that it is something you'd say deserves a lifetime ban other than other than that? Yeah, because you got to make it stop now before it gets too big. You know, one year suspension, okay, he lost a lot of money. Let's say, for example, he decided to really wager and was playing big numbers. I know a lot of those places don't allow it. Maybe he's betting with a bookie. And if he's betting with a bookie, he can get into it big time. And if he's in debt big time... You know, some of these guys don't play. They won't break his legs. They just tell him, hey, you know what? Right. Don't do this. Because we have a history of seeing this sort of thing, you know, uh, losing our purpose, tanking matches, the the Black Sox issue. Remember that one? But when you talk about this tanking thing, that's a big issue. When that first, when those allegations made by Brian Flora, when they, when Flores made those allegations, I was one of the very first people to say, this is bad. 
this needs to be nipped in the bud right now because if you're paying me to lose, that means you're trying you're paying me to fix a match. Right. They should get the Miami Dolphins ownership and the general manager should get a lifetime ban. But we don't hear anything about that. Calvin Ridley is a byproduct of his own environment. He was bored, whatever he was. He knew better, but he thought he was bulletproof. That's the reality. And someone needs to get taught a lesson quick. Because if you don't, how many more of these are going to go out there undetected? I mean, you can make a wager pretty much anywhere in Vegas. Anyone can do it. Anywhere now. Yeah. I mean, anywhere. I mean, without giving you, you don't have to give your ID to anybody right. to make a wager. But if it's a big one and you hit a big one, you're going to have to give your ID to get your money. You know, so right. what would stop, say, me from getting my wife to do it? And, exactly. Or, no, that's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. So you have to eliminate all that. That means your fa- your close family and friends, they can't wager either because you don't know if he's telling them things. You know, this is a big, big issue, and and it's a tough one, but an example needs to be set. Otherwise, what will happen is the SEC will get involved or the whatever is doing with stocks and bonds. Is it SEC? Is that what it is? I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm just a dumb tennis guy. I really don't know. <laughs> but it, but the people who deal with the stocks and the bonds, those folks, they get involved and they're going to mess up the sport forever. You know, the other argument is, well, the NFL promotes it. Well, the NFL promotes a lot of things, but that doesn't mean the players have to partake in it, especially when they're told not to. And they are told not to. There's not a single NFL player or any professional athlete that I've ever heard of or know who hasn't been told, do not wager on this sport. You're going to get in trouble. Ask P. Rose what happened to him. Yeah, for sure. This is just one of those, I I feel kind of stuck in the middle because on on a practical level, it's sort of like, and I know you have issues with the UFC and even thinking that that's fixed or whatever, Mm -hmm. but you know, in the UFC, fighters will bet on themselves, and that's an accepted thing. Now, if they bet against themselves, that would be incredibly problematic. Right. Um, but they'll bet on themselves to win. And I think on a logical, practical level, it makes sense to me that if I bet on myself to win, oh, the only thing that does is potentially enhance my enforcement or my performance. I mean, teams basically make players bet on themselves by putting – performance incentives into their contract. So they're basically saying, hey, if you do this well, we'll give you more money. In a sense, I feel like betting on yourself is giving yourself a performance incentive, saying, I believe I'm going to do this well, so I'm going to bet on myself. However, I do understand all the ways that that can go sideways in the long run. And so I understand why big picture, it can't be allowed because there's too many ways that that goes off the rails and leads to a compromised integrity of the game. I guess uh, in this one instance, again, I just I understand what you're saying. It needs to be a big penalty to deter it. But uh, it seems like a really big penalty to me for what he actually did. Right. I know. And I understand that, too. You know, one thing in the UFC is an individual sport. No one else is affected by my betting on myself if it's just me. But now you got a team. You're going to have to deal with a lot of things involved. What happens if a guy decides to middle? What happens if he says, you know what, my team is going to win on the, win the game, but I don't think we're going to cover this big number. What would stop him from betting both sides? He's still well, won, right? I mean, I think if he bets against his team in any way, then that's 
in much more problematic to me. So if he, if he middles, he's betting against his team. That's true. On one of those two bets. Okay, that's fair. But in my opinion, and something needs to be done because there's so many ways to get to these athletes. You know. Yeah, I do understand that. And that's well, all, you, all I'm trying to think of is the integrity of sport. Yeah. Because the moment these players start betting, then you're going to start wondering: Did they really bet on themselves? Did they really do that? So you know, I don't know. All I know is it's a bad situation. But the tanking part is worse. You know, Calvin Ridley just did a dumb thing. Who knows how long he's been doing it, though? He right, says, sure. You know, he didn't just wake up that morning and say, let me download an app and let me go bet. You know, he he's probably done it before. And probably not alone. Oh, absolutely not alone. Look at the NBA. If you hear a story, you hear stories about what goes on in those team planes. You know, trade deadline moves, some of them involve, are based on that alone. Gambling debts. You know, gambling debts can ruin an NBA team. And they play conk yeah. and they play 31, whatever they play. And, and they like it and they're having fun. But those things can get expensive. And, you know, it gets kind of dicey. Imagine being in debt to a bookie. Because now you can't bet through normal channels, through legal channels, because they'll catch you. But the guy down the street, the bookie, the corner bookie, all he's interested in is your money. And, you know, that all needs to get deterred now. And the strongest deterrent possible would be a lifetime ban. It, it seems to have worked in baseball to a certain degree. You know, I didn't agree with Pete Rose at first getting because he bet on his own team. Yeah. But he still knew the rules. And the rules say you can't bet. And if you do, you're going to go away forever. You're done in this sport. And I think the NFL needs to do something similar. Okay, maybe Ridley gets away with it with a year. That's a lot. Yeah, he's losing a lot of money. Yeah, he sure is. I hope he won. <laughs> Even if he did, it's not going to do him too much good. Well, you losing know what? a whole year's salary. And if he did win, they're never going to let him gamble like that again. Yeah, that's right. But, to you know, and Calvin Ridley, people say it's because he's black and he's all these things. No, it's because he did a dumb thing that he knew was wrong and did it anyway. He left the team. He had issues, he says. Mental health issues, and those were all legitimate, fair concerns. But when you pull the trigger like that, and he bet a three, a five, and an eight-legger, he, he knew what he was doing. Okay, maybe yeah. he didn't do it the right way, but he knew what he was doing. <laughs> right, right. He didn't know what he was doing on that front. So here's another thing, though, to me – so we're talking about football, but we could, you know, you brought up baseball with Pete Rose. And I know this conversation has been had plenty of times, but all the performance enhancing drugs that were so prevalent throughout baseball. And I would say to some extent, people have gotten smarter and there are new drugs and, you know, they figure out ways around things in, in better ways. But the penalties for that were less significant by far than gambling. I know. And I would say that those things also drastically compromise the integrity of the game. I, I completely agree. You know what? Drug free is the way you should be. If you can't, yeah. if you can't get there on your own juice, then you don't deserve to play on the field with other professional athletes who can, you know, you got to bring your own juice to the game every night. And I don't know how they fix it. Other than that, I don't think that it's got anything to do with these casinos and sportsbook partnering with these professional teams. Nah. That's not why he wagered. He wagered because he says he was bored, and that's it. He's yeah. been very honest about it, too, and maybe a little too honest. 
<laughs> but at the end of the day, to me though, and as egregious as this is, and maybe they should make an example out of him, whatever, you know, people are free to disagree with me all they like. That's fair. But the bigger issue is these tanking teams. And more importantly, head coaches being offered bonuses for losing records. Yeah. And that, that is the worst thing that can happen because, you know, and I'm not accusing Brian Flores of anything, but the end of the day is, and he did refuse to take the bonus, and he still kept his job and never said a word to anybody, at least that I know of, until after he was let go. I don't know where this is all going to go, man, but one thing is clear. What we do not want is the federal government sticking their nose into the sports business. If they start doing that, they're going to mess it up just like they mess everything else up. That is for sure. We can't have no doubt. that, man. No doubt. But we also have to be have some kind of belief that these players have integrity when we plop down our hard-earned bucks. You know, a lot of folks out there listening ain't making $11 million a year. So, you know, lose, right. and for... Me to wonder if I have to wonder if the match is fixed or a game is fixed, that money's going to stay in my pocket because unless I know who fixed it and whose side I should bet, that's kind of a fool's errand, don't you think? Absolutely. So I, can, I want to make a connection to the NBA since that's Please. mostly what we talk about. But I actually think there's a watered down version of this that's accepted in the NBA right now. So it's I wouldn't say that it's match fixing. But a couple nights ago, I was watching the Grizzlies play the Rockets. Mm-hmm. And the Rockets are a terrible team. And the Grizzlies probably could beat them with less than full effort. But, man, I mean, you had John Morant and numerous other players basically walking around the court, lazy passes, not getting back. I mean, and they were – I think I tweeted about this. They were up in the first half by nine, even with being so lazy. Well, I went on and watched another game. They ended up losing that game to the Rockets even. And you have in the NBA, you and I have talked about this before plenty of times, where there's two things that happen that, you know, if someone wanted to use them as insider information, they absolutely, it wouldn't be exactly match fixing, but it would be somewhere on the road to it. And that is number one, if you know as a team, hey, we're taking the night off tonight. We're just not going to try very hard and we'll see what happens. That's one. Number two is these coaches know when they're going to sit people down. Sure. I mean, you had you had Golden State yesterday said all of their starters and they did announce that a little further ahead of time. But there are times where they don't even announce it before the game and you get right up to game time. And then they say, oh, by the way, we're sitting all three of our best players. Right. Uh, you know, this stuff happens. And, and if there's some people who absolutely are going to know that ahead of time. And so the conditions exist for them to exploit that if they wanted to. Absolutely. And their agents can do it. And whoever else they're involved with can also do it because, you know, a player is going to go home after shoot around if he's at home and say, don't worry, I'll be home early tonight because we're not going to give it our best. We're not going to win tonight. It's going to be a fast one. You know, yeah. and that's tough. That's a very good point. And I think that these things should be addressed. They should have already been addressed prior to uh, getting involved in these kind of businesses. They haven't really. Maybe they figure the guys already know you're not supposed to do it. But I think they need to do more. I think what these professional leagues need to do is reassure the sports bettors that they're profiting from, that everything's on the up and up. Yeah. Because every time Calvin Ridley steps on the field, every drop pass, um, every, right. 
every time he tries because he's very clever with his feet and he's very sneaky. And, you know, it's like playing uh, kick the can. We used to play this game called kick the can. And you'd have to be sneaky to get to that can. Calvin Ridley's the same damn way. He's sneaky. He'll go three yards backwards to get five yards. He'll do that. Right. And every time he does that and it doesn't work out, what do you think is going to be the response on, say, social media? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be there. And I would say even beyond that, it if there are the seeds of doubt for people there, there are things in every NFL game that look fishy, right? Where, oh, yeah. you know, a play doesn't go the way that you think it should. Somebody does what you just said and they run backyards for four yards. A quarterback goes down a little bit too easily on a sack. An interception is thrown where there's not even a receiver in the area and it just goes to the defense. I mean, there are things in every NFL game that if you believe things are fixed, look like they're fixed. I, I think that's a part of sport, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, because yeah. people make mistakes, right? So I don't think that that's fixed. But I think if you start to believe it is, you can. F- I mean, I see tweets like that regularly of, oh, here's the NBA fixing this game because they got too much action on one side. It's like, well, it's possible. And also it's possible that it's just sports and this stuff happens. You know, and no one wants to give them the benefit of the doubt because, A, how could I be wrong? Because I put my twenty bucks down on the box tonight. Exactly. You know, yeah. How could I ever be wrong? Lots of things happen in sports. The other thing too, especially with the NBA, with the Tim Donaghy thing, you know that was a big, big mess. Yeah. But you saw how easy he got sucked in, right? Absolutely. Players can do that too. You know, a lot of these young folks come from less than humble backgrounds, and they come from situations where they probably know lots of bookies. And they know lots of folks who would use them to make money off them, you know. So you have to be very careful. The NBA has done a better job of that. But again, paying coaches or offering bonuses to lose on purpose, that starts with the league. The league needs to change the way it drafts and the way it allots draft picks. You know, maybe a revolving thing where one year the Milwaukee Bucks draft one and the next year they draft 30. And and revolve that around so it's more fair. So... No one gets rewarded for losing because the only ones that get rewarded for losing are the damn teams itself. And the players, we don't, the gamblers, no one knows what they're going to do. And what it'll end up doing is costing these sports books money. And that will cost you and these teams in the end through a lack of partnership revenues or less than what they should have gotten. Right. So we need that to be up on the up and up. I want to watch the game because. These are two teams that are going to go after it, you know, and if they're not, I'm not interested. And if I think it's fixed, why the hell would I bet on it? Why would, and this is the other thing when you talk, when people talk about all these fixed things going on, which probably aren't true. Why did you bet on a game you thought was fixed and didn't know who was on the right side? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah, you shouldn't. And I think in the NBA, this has become part of the game is even if it's not game fixing, you, we've talked about this before. It's not just picking which side's going to win, but it's making sure they're actually going to try. That's part of the capping process is trying to figure out, is this a spot where a team's actually going to come out and play hard or not? That's right. The only time it matters, the only time the NBA is legit, it seems, is during the playoffs. Yep. Because you know they're going for it, right? Yep. The 10-team thing has watered it down to the point where we have more teams not trying than ever before. And it's obvious. You just pointed out one example of probably 10 a week of where players just aren't giving it their all. 
And I know they say they play a lot of games. And I know this, and the travel's hard. But sports bettors need to see more integrity from these leagues. Otherwise, you're going to have a big mess. And it's a sad situation. And my heart goes out to Calvin Ridley's family, who will financially suffer from this. But I don't have much sympathy for him. He knew the rules. He knew what he wasn't supposed to do. Did it anyway. Thought he wouldn't get caught. And did. And that's a bummer. But you know two teams that will be trying tonight? And that's the Brooklyn Nets and the Charlotte Hornets. And that should be an interesting game. Brooklyn is three and a half point away favorites. The total when I took the notes down is was 240 and a half. And I think it still is. What do you think about this game now that we got out of this mess? I got well, us in two. Number one, I want to make sure that you're positive they're both going to be trying tonight. Because if they are, that's a hot tip. So I want to just be able to. <laughs> to oh, damn. You know what? I'm revealing inside information. <laughs> oh, yet. boy. Oh, boy. Now you see why I'm careful on my tennis show. Yeah, uh, yeah, you absolutely have to be. You, there are times when I, I have to bite there. my tongue. I want to say things, but I can't because I know certain things. Outweighs your antennas. I can now, and I have, but I don't do it now. After this whole Ridley thing, I think I'll leave it alone. But what do you like about this in game? Trouble. This is yeah, an interesting one. It is. I actually do kind of like this game. This does feel like one of a couple games tonight where we have a high chance of seeing both teams show up and give good effort. In some ways, they both have things to play for. They're both struggling in the standings. I mean, we know about how bad Brooklyn has been with their main players out. Um, But Charlotte hasn't been very good in recent times either. And so they're both playing to stay at least in those play-in spots, which you referenced earlier, if not to move up a little bit. Kyrie's going to be back for this one. And I, I know how you feel about Kyrie, but I do think having two strong offensive players in Kyrie and Durant is significant. You know, when you just have one, a team can key off that one person and and maybe not totally shut them down, but limit them. I think when you get to two, or especially when you get to three, your opportunities to limit and shut those people down uh, decreases dramatically. And so I think that's uh, a key thing for Brooklyn, to have those two guys on the court at the same time. I think, I think it opens things for Seth Curry a little bit to maybe get more open looks from three-point range. The Nets have lost four straight games. Um, they haven't lost more than two straight with Durant the rest of the season. So this is already double their longest losing streak without Durant. Uh, I think that Brooklyn is still has the ability to be a decent team, especially as they get a little bit healthier. I'm not sure that I would make them the favorite for the title, but certainly wouldn't say that they're a, a team that should miss the play. <laughs> you know, Charlotte on the other side, this is a team that I don't, trust very well. I did bet them once recently and actually won, but I think the two or three times before that I hadn't. Right. Uh, but they've scored better since the All-Star break. They've been over 115 in four out of their five games. They've held teams under 100 twice, but then allowed teams to score more than 115 three other times. So I think that this actually should be a fun, pretty good game. I think Charlotte is building a little bit of momentum. I was reading in the locker room. Uh, sounds a little bit more positive for them right now. Uh, so this is a game that I feel like I would stay away from in terms of the side because I think Brooklyn is the side, but not by a lot. And I think the spread's three and a half. And in terms of the total, I would tend to go under whenever totals get over 240. I just think everything has to go right. And Charlotte's actually a team that has limited people on offense at times. So um, I would lean toward the under on the total. I like everything that you said. You broke it down real good. LaMarcus Aldridge is out. That's a big problem. You know, he, he, he's a key member on both sides of the court. You know, at one time in the season, he was like the number two or three usage guy on that team. 
Yeah. I, I tell you what, Durant, Durant's a tough customer, and there's no one in Charlotte who will stop him. And Kyrie is a tough yeah. customer, and LaMelo Ball is not going to do anything to stop him. But you know the problem with Brooklyn is over their last five per 100 possessions, they've allowed the 28th most points per game. Charlotte, on the other hand, is ninth in points allowed over their last five games per 100 possessions. I have to continually make that known because it, people say, wait, 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 your numbers are different than mine. So I have to make sure because that's, that's where I kind of draw it together. Brooklyn's also 19th in scoring over their last five. But that with Brooklyn, it's kind of dodgy because, you know, they have so many part-time players. And that's hard. But here's a stat that I was really interested in when I woke up this morning and started looking at this. The Nets are 4-1-1 one, and one against the spread in their last six away games. I don't trust Charlotte, man. I don't really trust them. If it were three points, I'd take the Nets. And I, I don't like the Nets. But I would take them, but it's not. I have to leave it alone. The total? Yeah, that total's funny. 240.5. Does it need to go up for you to play this? Probably, yeah. I don't think that I would bet it right now. Just looking at where these two teams have been in relation to scoring and actually what you just said about how they've been playing on defense reinforces that further. It feels like Charlotte tends to play really high or really low scoring games, not as much in the middle. So this just feels like, I mean, you said this, it feels like a funny game to cap because we don't have enough information about what the Nets look like with this current roster. Well, I will say this. If you're going to go on the money line, you know, Charlotte's won a couple straight. Uh, Brooklyn's lost four straight. They're trying to get it together, and now they're going to have Aldridge out. And the problem, too, is, again, we've talked about this a thousand times. A gentleman on your show mentioned it, too. We have to figure out who's playing. That's the hardest. The NBA used to give out a, a list of players. It used to, It's mandatory. I think I read this on the show when you were here. They have to. It's a rule, but they just don't. And that's something else that needs to be addressed. I don't know what's the status with Kevin Durant. I'm sure he'll play. Um, but I can't touch this game at three and a half. I just leave it alone. Yeah. Sorry, guys out there. So, so, sometimes that's what you have to do, though, right? I mean, if you if you start take, I, I've done this. When you want to have action on everything and you take stuff you really don't like, that's a good way to end up losing more money. So sometimes it's the smart thing to do. Well, that's just it. You know, and I've lost enough money for people this year. So uh, I'd like <laughs> to just get this done. Now, this next game is the one I'm really interested in watching. And that's the New Orleans Pelicans and the Memphis Grizzlies. New Orleans was a, is a five-and-a-half point away underdog. The total is 232 points. What say you about this one? Well, number one, I'm with you that this should be a really fun game to watch. I think yeah. we can never say for sure if teams are going to show up, but this feels like the kind of game where teams are going to show up. I almost wonder for Memphis, part of the not trying against Houston is even looking ahead to this game a little bit because the Pelicans have been phenomenal since C.J. McCollum got there. Mm -hmm. And Memphis is number two in the West now, I believe. I have to double-check to make sure that they – leapfrogged uh, the Warriors there. If not, they're right right on the doorstep. And Memphis is a really good team. So I think this should be a really fun game. 
New Orleans has scored 117 or more in every game since the All-Star break. And part of their issue throughout the season had been that they just didn't score very much sometimes. But, man, they've been phenomenal with that lately, and they've played great defense. Allowed under 100 in three out of five since the All-Star break, and one of the others was 102. So they've played great on offense, and they've played great on defense, even if their strength of schedule hasn't been phenomenal. When I first looked at this, I thought, man, I'm taking the Pelicans, because if you're going to give me five and a half points with the Pelicans right now, I'm in. Right. And And that's still the side that I am leaning toward. The thing that potentially could keep me off of it is looking at how Memphis has performed on the ho- at home and on the road in their last 15 games. At home, their offensive rating has been 122.4, which is phenomenal. On the road, 116.6, which is still really good, but six points less in offensive rating. Defensive rating at home, 105.4, which is really solid. Defensive rating on the road, 112.7. So between offensive and defensive rating, that's a swing of almost 12 points um, in rating between those two. So that's the thing, if anything, that could potentially keep me off of this game. But I am still on the border of going ahead and taking the Pelicans with the points because they've been playing so well. That's a great summation. Again, you're one of the best out there. Thank you so much for that. Um, I'm all in on the Hornets tonight. I'm sorry, the Pelicans. not the Pelicans, Hornets. okay. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I don't care about their schedule. They look good with C.J. McCollum. They got a ball handler who, who knows how to give up the rock and's not, and who's not selfish. That's important. He's also a veteran. He's a leader. He's led, he, with Damian Lillard, led the Portland Trailblazers to the conference finals, if you remember. They shouldn't have been in there. But a lot of it has to do with that, with those two guys and the way they played. Now, they're a little different defensively. They're not as good with CJ. However, over their last five games, they're number one in points allowed per game per 100 possessions. That's big. For that team, that's big. That's because CJ's got those young guys buying in. And that's a nice thing. Plus, they're number three in points over the last five. Same deal per 100 possessions. Memphis hasn't done that offensively. They really haven't. They're 18th in points, but 7th in points allowed over the last five games. That's not too bad considering Memphis is 14th in the season in points allowed. So they're they're trying, they're doing something, but does it have more to do with their schedule than it does with who they are as a defensive unit? And that makes me nervous. You know, um, the Pelicans are 8-1-0 against the spread in their last night away games. They're 4-1-0 against the spread in their last five. They're hotter than a uh, they're hotter than a $2 pistol. And that's a great thing to see because New Orleans is one of those organizations that sucks. They've just had bad luck. Look, Anthony Davis, they lost. They lost Chris Paul. And now they, they might have something here. And now the rumor about Zion Williamson returning to the team next week, that's interesting too. We'll see if he plays. That's going to change things. If New Orleans wants to make a move, and, and I think that they definitely do, and when I see them, they're in the 10th spot. Nobody wants to be there. They're not going to get out of that play-in situation. But they can surpass the Lakers. I would rather play the Clippers than I would rather than play the Timberwolves. Wouldn't you? 
Oh, absolutely. But the Timberwolves are going to get up to number six, so we don't have to worry about that. I'm just kidding. No, they, they, uh, they might. They could. Well, they could. that's They're a lot of games to pick up. No, I'm with you, though. Yep, uh, absolutely. I mean, I think they will pass the Lakers. I hope they Clippers do. Clippers are going to be tougher, but yeah. After all that crap that went on with Westbrook's family, did you see that? I did, yeah. You know, I got into a little discussion with him in a, lot, in, in a presser one day. And I didn't like him or Kevin Durant from that day forward. I don't like them. As people, whatever. I just don't like them. You know, they were rude. They're crass. They're self-entitled. At least that's how they were when they were with the Thunder. I don't know how much things have changed. But here's, here's a little piece of advice. I would leave professional athletes' families alone. In fact, if you're not willing to say it to their face, and I'm not talking about, oh, oh, I could do it. No, you'd be afraid. Russell Westbrook's a big boy, and I guarantee you, you go near his family, you're going to see Compton, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but look at this team, this Pelicans team, though. They've really caught fire, and I like seeing that. I like seeing some of these organizations who I've given up on prove me wrong because it makes the product better. It It makes the games more fun to handicap. It makes them more fun to watch. And it makes them more fun to wager on. And I'm taking the Pelicans tonight. I don't care what anybody says. I think <laughs> the Pelicans are going to smack this Grizzlies team because I think these kids, these kids have kind of took their feet off the brake, so to speak. Yeah, it could be. I it, It'll be interesting. I think this ends up being a, a close game. But in a close game, I'd rather have the points than be given them. So uh, that's that's definitely the way that I'm leaning to is toward the Pelicans in this spot. Oh, yeah. You almost have. I mean, you don't have to, but I'm going to. So take that with a grain of salt, whatever it is you do. But, yeah, the Pelicans. Now we got one more. The Bucks in OKC. Milwaukee is a 13.5 point away favorite. The total is low for a big number like that at 231. What do you think about this one? Well, you want to take OKC, don't you? These games with big spreads, right, are just, yeah. Uh, I mean, I do naturally lean toward the team that's getting points when the spreads are so wide. I just had, who was it that Oklahoma City played a game or two ago where I took them against the big spread? I think Utah, maybe, Mm -hmm. uh, and and won that one because it stayed within the number. I did finally take a a team over a 10-point spread yesterday with Minnesota. I just felt like they were going to destroy Portland, which did happen. But it's not something I like to do often. Milwaukee has been playing really, really well, especially on offense. Mm-hmm. Since the All-Star break, they've been at 120 or more in four out of five, and the one where they weren't, they scored 118. So this is a team that's really on fire offensively, and Oklahoma City hasn't been stopping people the way that they used to, and, and a lot of that has to do with so many players out for them right now. And it looks like Lou Dort still won't be back tonight, but Oklahoma City has allowed 120 or more in four out of their last six and 116 and 107 in the others. So I do expect Milwaukee to come out and score a lot of points tonight. Oklahoma City's offense is not phenomenal. Um, This just feels like a spot to me where the question is what we talked about earlier. Is Milwaukee going to try or not? I think if Milwaukee comes out and gives a good effort, they do probably win this game by 20. But if they come out and coast... Oklahoma City can probably get that backdoor cover at this number. So this is a game where I uh, I would lean toward taking Oklahoma City just because it's so many points, but I don't have 
a strong take because I think the best version of each of these teams, Milwaukee blows them out. You know what? That's fair. You know, the Bucks play Atlanta Wednesday night at home. Mm. Today is a good day for the Bucks to probably lay off the gas and maybe rest their players because they have a stretch of games, a three-game stretch with Atlanta at home, and then they fly out to Golden State. Then they have Utah. Then they have Sacramento and Minnesota. Then they have Chicago, Memphis, Washington. Yeah, they're not playing badly. But then they have Philly, Brooklyn, the Clippers. Yeah, Clippers are okay. Dallas, Bulls, Boston, and Cleveland to end the season. That's going to be a long stretch of games against yeah. some really good teams. And Oklahoma City is okay when it comes to covering the spread. At home this season, the Thunder are 16, 12, and 4. They are 6 and 4 against the spread over their last 10. The Bucks are 4 and 6 against the spread over their last 10. And I. 16 4 and 0 against the spread is the away team. Is that can that be right? That can't be right, can it? That the Bucks are what 16, was the stat? 4 and 0 against the spread as the away team. That can't be right. Let me pull this up. Yeah, that's quick. what I'm going to do because I can't believe that as the away team. I'm just trying. Uh, I own 16, 14, and 0. Oh, that's right. Oh, I see. I do have a, four, a 14 there. That's that's not that good, though. No, that, that would have been big if it was 16. That four, was impossible because they yeah, have yeah. a terrible record against the spread this season. You know, the Thunder, for all their lack of talent and their lack of a, a general manager who has a clue, and, and their. Uh, just their whole organization is just tough, especially if you're in the media. I think they're going to cover this one. And I'll tell you, because I think that Milwaukee's probably going to lay off the gas tonight. They've got a tough stretch. They want to win that game against the Hawks tomorrow. There is no doubt about that. They want to win that game. And I bet you that they rest tonight, you know, because that central... They need Milwaukee needs a win. Milwaukee needs to win, and they'll probably win this game tonight. Sitting half their team. That being said, they're not covering the spread if they do go after it. This Thunder team covers, and it's loud there at Chesapeake. So I would say I'm gonna get, I'm gonna take every point they give me. Hopefully more by the time I hit this, and I'm taking OKC. I don't have any interest in that total. I don't know who's playing for the Bucks, but it, but it would seem to me that this would be a very good spot for the Milwaukee Bucks to have a slight letdown. I think that makes a lot of sense. It, it almost reminds me of Minnesota. I mean, with Minnesota, they were playing Portland twice in a row, but they came out so lethargic in the first game. And it was almost like in between they went, okay, we can't play like that again. You know, they came out and played hard. It it makes me wonder about Memphis coming out strong tonight because they laid off against Houston. And I think you make a great case that this is a good spot for Milwaukee to lay off. And honestly, if Milwaukee's up by 10 or 15 points with five minutes left, they probably just back it down then too. And that that backdoor cover where the game ends up being an eight-point game, a nine-point game is, I think, a relatively likely outcome. So I think you're right. This is a good spot to look for them to, to not play well. And that's a lot of points too. You know, that is a lot of points. 
it's just too many to cover for a team that doesn't really cover. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a toughie. I, I don't think I would play the money line in this game. I, I sure unless I was playing like a twelve team parlay, which I'm not going to do. But the under's appealing at two thirty one and under that is appealing. Again, we don't really know what Milwaukee's going to bring tonight. But the two plays I'm going to give you, the Pelicans and the Thunder, we're going to take two underdogs here. We'll leave the Nets game alone. We'll let you decide based on what we said. Great stuff today, man. Well done as always. Thanks, man. Always fun to be with you. Now, please tell everyone about your podcast, how they can find it, how they can subscribe so they listen because it's a tremendous podcast. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, happy to have people check it out. So you can find it pretty much anywhere you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google. It's called The Breakdown, and it is a daily show that just walks through each game on the NBA slate, tries to give you some good information, kind of like we just did here with these three. Phil does it with me on Saturday. So we walk through all the games like this. Uh, An easy way to find it as well is if you follow me on Twitter at NBA Attack in my bio, there's a link to all of that stuff and would love to have you check it out, subscribe and uh, let me know what you think of it too. And don't forget to follow Trevor on Twitter, big tasty sports. That's at M B A T T A C K. And that's going to wrap it up for today's show. We want to thank PlayUp for providing this opportunity so that we can bring this show to you. That's playup.com. It's always your best bets. All picks made are tracked at betstamp.app. Until next time, you all take care of yourselves, be good, and most importantly... Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you. Thanks for listening to The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. And please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page.